Good morning, church. It's uh, it's a privilege um, to be with you this morning uh, to be able to share the word of God with you. Um, I wish if we were in one room together, uh, but unfortunately, um, here we are. And uh, by the grace of God, um, we are um, sharing the word of God together through technology. And um, God is able to um, bless us and uh, touch our life in spite of all uh, the situations we are in. So let's just ask God to speak to, to us this morning. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your presence. And Father, we just pray that you may fill us with your with the knowledge of your will so that we may live a life that is pleasing to you and worthy of you. And we commit our time into your hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe when you um, plan this church family weekend together, uh, obviously you you were thinking about strengthening your uh, fellowship, your um, to create an atmosphere where um, you flourish um, as a church of Jesus Christ. You know our unity, our um, oneness, our fellowship, and our love for each other not only pleases and glorifies God, but creates an environment where. Um, our gifts are accepted and used to build others and help us to be a testimony for the living Christ. However, living together um, as the family of God isn't without its challenges. Uh, we all came from uh, a different background and experience and in the London context from different ethnicity and culture. So, and that could increase the misunderstanding and the problems that um, we uh, would ex experience. There are churches today with um, their heartaches and misunderstandings and bitterness, fight and uh, divisions in churches today. This is costing us a lot. And instead of reaching out uh, and attract others to the kingdom of God, our love for each other, uh, by our love for, for each other, uh, many churches are occupied by inner uh, struggle. That was what was happening in the early church. In um, Acts chapter 6, we see uh, there was a problem uh, in the church. The Hebraic um, Jew Christians were uh, undermining and discriminating against the Hellenistic Jew Christian brothers and sisters. The Hebraic were harboring the feeling of superiority, uh, which was contrary to the gospel due to their close cultural affiliation uh, with Israel. Now, the, the, the basis for uh, their fellowship or their coming together at the church was not uh, their uh, ethnicity, but it was Jesus Christ. But their carnality were manifested among them and, and kind of over, overtook them to act in that way and to bring that division and uh, problem in, in the church. Then the leaders humbly uh, searched their hearts and understood that the problem was with them. They didn't argue with the, the perpetrators. Uh, or try to uh, engage in conversation with, with others, but they humbly searched their hearts and understood that the problem was with them, that they failed to give themselves to prayer and to the Word uh, of God, to teaching the ministry of the Word of God, which is the only remedy that subdued the, the, the carnality, the mindset that caused, caused the problem. And the moment the problem was solved, um, Luke tells us in, in chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God spread 
and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests, the hardliners, became obedient to the faith. So a harmonious church family contributes a great deal to the advancement of the kingdom of the gospel. So it takes the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in, our, in, 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 in us to help us discover the joy of living together and living, uh, living, not only living with others, but for others. So we started look, looking at the book of Micah yesterday, uh, basing our talk on chapter 6, uh, verse 8. And we discussed uh, the context of the whole book, which is how the kings um, which were, who were ruling at the time of Micah were failed to live according to God's standard and lead the people to worship and live in the value of uh, they they uh, they lead the people to worship and live in the value of foreign gods, which affected their relationship with God and each other. They were boastful on the of their material wealth, exploited the poor, and had no mercy to to their own brothers and sisters who were given the land equally as their inheritance. So their action demonstrated that they were not living in gratitude to, to God. They forgot that God is the source of all they have and who they are. So Micah was challenging the people of God that God has shown them what is good and what, is, what he requires from them. And he requires, he said, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. Now, Justice needs action. Mercy demands love and humility is revealed through walking through all aspects of our life. So I would like to say two things about these three requirements before we focus on the third requirement, um, humility today. First of all, yesterday we looked at how these three requirements are in line with biblical concept of gratitude. So these requirements are the characteristics of biblical gratitude. Or the attitude of gratitude helps us to live and practice these three uh, requirements that we see here. If we manage to cultivate the attitude of gratitude, we'll be able to live in mercy, injustice and humility. Uh, we discussed a bit yesterday about this and you can um, go back and look at the, the recordings. Secondly, all of these requirements are to do with our relationship with God and with others. Now, our relationship with God is linked to our relationship with others. We can't claim to have a healthy relationship with one without the other. Our loving relationship with others overflows from our relationship with God. So these three requirements contribute to help us build a healthy life and relationship with God and others. So we managed to discuss um, mercy and justice. And now we'll be, today we'll be looking at the, the third requirement that Micah gave uh, or uh, spoke to the people of God here, indicated here, to walk humbly with God. Now, when we closely look at the third requirement, to walk humbly with God, we at least uh, see three helpful points. We see the need for humility, the privilege of humility, and the promise of humility. The need for humility. Why is humility so important to God? Why does humility require to work with God? I think that is because pride, which is the opposite of humility, resides in humanity. It's only humility which overcomes pride. 
So we all, as human beings, struggle with the sin of pride. The question is not if uh, pride exists in our hearts, but where it exists and how it is being expressed in our life. So Jonathan Edward called it the worst viper that is in the heart and the greatest disturber of the soul's peace and sweet communion with Christ. And I will add, with others too. So pride is also illogical, as Spurgeon called it, a groundless thing. So anything that pride is built on is either a temp temporary or a gift, or that, that means um, not our own making, or we're born into it, or we got it by taking advantage of others. So the Church of Corinth, uh, there, there was a problem uh, in the Church of Corinth, uh, the, the pride and um, envy, and they were kind of bragging and considering themselves superior than others by the gifts that God has given them and by the ministers they, they are associated with. So Paul was asking them a very rhetorical question to the Church of Corinth, and he said, who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't? Now, what do you have that you didn't receive? Now, the answer is nothing. There is nothing that we have that we haven't received in terms of church giftings and ministries and whatever. You know, it is, it is, it is a gift. Everything, our life is a gift. There is nothing that we have that we haven't received. So, so if we are receiving it, uh, received it, then how can we boast on the gifts that, that we have received? So the answer is nothing. And the only response to gift is gratitude. So it's hard for people with gratitude to live with pride because gratitude gravitates us to look away from ourselves, beyond ourselves, while pride convinces us to focus on ourselves since we are the most important one. So pride is described in the Bible as arrogance, a feeling of superiority over others, overbearingness, egotism, vanity, and self-importance. So pride is when sinful human beings aspire to the status and position of God and refuse to acknowledge their dependence upon God. This is not something that is happening outside of the church. This is happening, and this is God could potentially be happening in the church too. Now, pride aims for self-glorification, to rob God of his legitimate glory. So pride approaches God to use him as a means to its own end. So no wonder why God hates pride and requires humility. So God expressed in the scripture clearly how much he hates pride. He says, I hate pride and arrogance. So in, in the New Testament, James, as well as Peter, uh, indicated that God opposes the pride. It's actively engaged in opposition of pride. He goes against pride. He hates pride. But humility, rather, attracts God's attention to us. God is attracted by humility. God cannot ignore humility. In fact, in Isaiah um, chapter 66, verse 2, um, he said that heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will, where will, my, where will my resting place be? 
Has not my hand made all these things? And so they come into being, declares the Lord. They are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit who tremble at my word. So God is saying, where, where would you build me a house? Which, where, would be, where would be my resting place? Where would I go to rest and to be on earth? It's not a beautiful building, but it is a humble heart. That's what attracts God, and that's where God, that person, it is, it is, he, he, he looks with favor to the person who has that kind of heart. So humility is recognizing your need for God's help. It is recognizing your need for others, especially at the Church of Jesus Christ as the body of Christ. I am not the body. I am part of uh, the body, a member of the body. So as a member, I, I depend on the contributions and the gift of others. So I need to acknowledge and recognize uh, my, 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 the, the, my need for other, the gifts of others. So that is, that is, so humility is recognizing you need for others. So humility is also submission. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 5 to 6, um, Peter said, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. But it's not just for younger, younger people. And he said, Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, it is, it, he knows that um, the challenge for humility is submission. Submission is the challenge for humility. So it is in, in submission we are expressing and living in humility. Now, submission is a very uh, controversial word in our time. And we see it as a negative, uh, negative word. But submission is um, actually, it's a freedom to choose to serve the will of the other. It is not something that people impose on us. It is something that, um, the, with the, through the because of the freedom, with the freedom we have in Christ Jesus, we choose to serve the will of the other. So instead of serving our interests and our needs and our own ambitions, we decide to choose the, to serve the will of the other. So it says, submit to one another and be clothed with humility, because God resists the proud and gives grace to. The humble. So humility is to think soberly about oneself. This means that we don't boast of uh, our own accomplishments and abilities. Rather, we acknowledge that our sufficiency is of God in all of the things. So we understand why we need humility, why humility attracts God. And humility also creates an environment to benefit and grow by the gift of others. So this scripture, not only, humility, not only humility is necessary to be able to walk with God, but it highlights the privilege of walking with God, the privilege of walking with God. God wants to walk with, with us, with you, with me. Isn't that amazing? It's not our initiative. It's not our, we are not initiating uh, to, for God to work with us or to work with God. God is initiating it. God is making himself available to work with us. This is amazing. He desires to come alongside us in the work of life, to be a, a, a constant companion to us. God, the almighty God, wants to work with 
us. He doesn't only want to walk with us, but he jealously desires and longs for our companionship. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 4 to 6, we find the most amazing um, scripture, and for me, a very scary uh, a scripture. Now, in, in the context of um, uh, arguing with believers, um, James says, you, uh, are, you, you have become a friend uh, of the world. You, you, you are loving the world. You are living with the world. You are a child of God. While you are a child of God, while you are living with God, while, while the Spirit of God lives in you, your attention is taken by the world. You have become a friend of the world. Don't you know that love, the lo loving the world is an, uh, being an uh, enemy of God? And then he says, or do you think it is without reason? Or uh, just a vain thing to say that without a reason that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously. With who do you think? Do, do you think uh, it is without reason that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously for our attention, for, for uh, our companionship, for, for, for to walk with us? He yearns jealously. In other words, James was saying, instead of being friends with God, walk with him. You have become friends with the, the world. Your mind, attention, heart's desire is taken by your friendship with the, with the world. By doing that, you are not only abandoning the friendship of God, but you have become his enemy. So God, Spirit, who is in us, is jealously desires our companion, our friendship, and to be with us and to work with us. That is amazing, brothers and sisters. That is amazing and, and, and scary because how easily we ignore the craving or the, the call or um, the earnings of the Spirit, the earnings of God, and the privilege that we, we could easily miss by not giving our attention um, to God who is in us. So what does God do in this situation? So the merciful, instead of rebuking us, instead of uh, going away from us, in fact, he says that, you know, he is yearning jealously for your attention and friendship, and he give, he give you more grace. He gives more grace so that you may get the strength to deny the world. You may get the sensitivity to be able to um, sense the cravings and kind of the yearnings of the Holy Spirit and be able to make your attention available and be able to make your way in line with God and walk with Him. So He pours out grace. That is the mercy of God. And again, humility plays a role here. God is not giving grace to everyone but to the humble, for those who, who understands what they are lacking, what they are, where, you know, that they want to be with, with God, they want to walk with God, but there are some things that is detached, they are struggling, they are, there are something that pulling them. So God pours up, gives a grace to help them, to strengthen them, to um, um, overcome that struggle and to be um, His. So because he called us first, you know, humility gives us the privilege of walking with him. 
You know, in this corona um, time, in this lockdown time, I one of the things I thank God for is the the, um, the opportunity to be with the Lord and, and kind of to have solitude and to be with God um, uh, uh, quietly. It's, it's hard because you you not only uh, spend time with, with God, but as you spend time with God, your heart is revealed and you see where your heart is and how you have been, your, your attention has been taken by different things. But it is an amazing privilege to be able to reorder our life and to uh, reorder our steps um, uh, and be um, kind of make in line with uh, our, our with our work with with the Lord. So I pray that God will um, give you the grace to have to use this time to see you to evaluate your life and to rearrange your priorities and make God first in your life. So not only humility is necessary and gives us the privilege of walking with God, but it also promises us the benefit of walking with God. Now, when you look at walking uh, with God, um, you know, what working with God entails, you know, what kind of opportunity it promises. Walking is a peculiar exercise that tells people have a deeper um, conversation where they open up and share their concerns, fears, hopes, and deep, deepens their friendship. Walking implies intimate moments, deeper conversations, listening and thinking together, opening up our hearts and enjoying each other's company and sharing our hearts and not rushing, but being fully present. You know, it's, it's different from other forms of exercise. It's a symbol of going forward. It's walking represents the whole aspect of our life, the whole aspect of our life. So in the New Testament, walking is a symbol used to describe our Christian life. Whoever says uh, he abides in him ought to walk in the same walk in which he walked. So in the same way Christ lived, you need to, to, um, to live uh, with him. So it's, it's, it speaks about the whole aspect of our life. Uh, and in Colossians, he says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, live with him and live in him. So it's about exp experiencing God's companionship in all aspects of our life. So walking with God then takes walking to a different level. It means knowing his security in the midst of trouble. When you walk with God, you begin to um, know his sovereignty, that he is the one who is in charge and in control. And that brings um, security in you. And with David, you will say, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the hearts of the sea, I will not fear. Why? Because God is ever present help so you'll experience you know the security that is only found in god working with with you working with god is working with assurance in an uncertain world and seeing with confidence on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is a sinking sand and when all other ground around you is in sinking you will walk with a smile because you have an assurance in you. You found the rock. You are walking with the rock. And that assurance comes from walking uh, with God in, in humility. It is knowing his peace in the midst of trouble. It is to, gr to grow in the knowledge of him as you walk with him, as you are conscious of him, as you are thinking, um, constantly thinking about him and fellowshipping with him. Um, you will begin to grow in, in the knowledge of him. And it is to be a, a vessel for his grace. 
uh, grace and love and encouragement to others because by being with him by walking with him you receive from him you will be you know you will have a lot to give so then you will come to church not only to receive but to give you come to church not only to be embraced but to embrace and you live a life of contentment and gratitude so that's what humility promises for us if then humility is required to walk with God and to enjoy the privilege and benefit of walking with God, how can we cultivate the heart of humility? So I would like to say just uh, four things um, that would help us um, to uh, cultivate and practice humility. First of all, we need to learn to acknowledging our dependence and need for God every single day. Let's start our day by acknowledging him, our, our needs and our dependence on him, saying, God, I need you today. I can't be able to live a life that glorifies you without your grace, without you, without your help. I need you. I can't be, I can't be able to live a Christian life, a Christ-like life without you. I can't be a blessing for others without you. I need you. So that acknowledgement of our needs for, for him. And secondly, begin each day, begin each day by expressing your gratitude to God. Now, Michael Ramsey said that thankfulness is a soil in which pride um, pride uh, doesn't easily grow. Now, developing a habit of thankfulness or be a thankful observer of um, God's grace and be a thankful observer of your situation, your, your, you know, your brothers and sisters and, and, and kind of the provision of God around you, the beauty of God around you, the, what God has been provided for you, the kindness of God around you, the presence of God around you and and what God is doing around you. So be be a thankful observer and develop uh, an attitude of um, a gratitude. And certainly look out and identify evidence of grace in others. In the film Pride and um, Prejudice, the, the central character, Mr. Uh, Darcy, uh, was described as a man who never looks at any woman but to see a blemish. Now, what do you look out to see in others? Make it your habit to look for the work of grace in their life and in the life of others. How is God at work in their life? Even at times when their weaknesses or faults or what you heard about them is at your face, choose to look for the work of grace in their life. Tell them what you see, the grace of God, what God is doing in their life, and maybe they are not aware of this. So you, that would be an encouragement to them. It is easy to focus on their weaknesses and despise them in your heart and consider yourselves better than them. But that's not humility. But when we um, see and find the grace of God and appreciate them, you will begin to see, um, to, to cultivate a, a heart of humility because the same, you see, the, the, the what you need to recognize is um, it is God who called them and it is him who have um, who is working in them in spite of all the weaknesses that you observe as he is doing in you fourthly let god be your audience you know the problem of the pride arises when we make others our audience you know at, at one point um jesus um talking to the pharisees he said to them how can you believe since you accept glory from one another but do not seek the glory that comes from the only god they were doing uh, things 
in the sight of others, to please others, to get other people's attention, to be able to, to show, to demonstrate that they are better than others. So they were seeking glory for one another from human beings. So their audience was the people around them. So because of that, they were not seeking the glory that comes from God. But when we make God our audience, we are seeking the glory that only comes from him. And we are acknowledging that um, God is, you know, when we make God our audience, we are acknowledging that he, he doesn't only see, as God sees, just the outside of what we do in the outside. He also sees the, our heart and uh, our humility. And uh, humility helps us, and that will help us to cultivate an attitude of, or uh, the heart of a humility that will help us to walk with God. May the Lord grant you the grace to cultivate the heart of humility that would enable, enable you to walk with God. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen.